Good morning, live from Los Angeles. It's Rabbi Erez Sherman and Rabbi on the Sidelines, where we speak about the intersection of sports and faith. Welcome to season two. We are back just before the high holy days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And we are honored, truly honored for our guest today, Ariana Berlin, UCLA champion gymnastics, amazing hip hop dancer, feature of the Netflix movie Full Out. And you probably don't know this, but a high holy day producer added to her resume. Ariana, live from San Diego. How are you? Good to see you. Hi, Rabbi Sherman. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I've been waiting for this moment. It's crazy that we basically met a year ago in the halls here at Sinai Temple for the first virtual ever High Holy Days, not just of Sinai Temple, but really of the Jewish world. And uh, now I was just reviewing some of those videos and seeing the magic that we made. So uh, actually, let's start there and then we'll work our way backwards. Okay, let's do it. You're a producer. You're in the entertainment business and you get a call saying, you know what? You're going to produce a High Holy Days at a major synagogue in North America. What was that when you got that call? And how did you even begin to think about bringing the Jewish message out to the world? I was so excited. I mean, all Sinai is down the street from my husband, where my husband grew up. So it was all kind of meant to be. And to be able to use kind of my expertise to apply to something that is part of my being was so great. And on top of that, to be a part of this Jewish community in LA that I never really had. You know, I went to UCLA. I've been in LA for a very long time. And I never really had a Jewish community there. My husband's Jewish, his family's Jewish, obviously. But uh, it was just, I, I felt immediately accepted into the family and community. And I loved singing and producing all the high holiday elements. And I just brought back so many memories of my childhood and and being a part of that community in, in San Diego. So it was just an incredible experience. So we won't ask you to sing La Dorvador right now, but I do want to show for those of <laughs> you who missed the High Holy Days last year, part of Ariana and her team at Gracie Visions Productions, what they did last year. So let's just take a look at a quick little highlight of the High Holy Days uh, 20, was that 2020? Here we go. Yeah. On the second day of Rosh Hashanah in Los Angeles at Sinai, where we have seen so much this year, we are all grateful that we are still holding hands, even if virtually, that we are still together, that we are still singing, that we have been granted another year to improve ourselves and heal the world. So that was just little part of long nights of studying our uh, services as well. And I just know by the uh, reaction, not just of people here at Sinai Temple, but actually around the world, the uh, special nature of what you guys were able to do uh, for us and for the Jewish world as well. So it was incredible. Course- I even, I'm, you know, I've kept friends with Ruth Pilot and you, and you know, it, it was just such a, I, I talked to her just last week. Uh, it was just such an incredible experience. So I appreciate the opportunity. That's actually amazing because what we do here is not just produce, but we in fact create and that's create relationships and sacred relationships. That's, that's amazing. Now you're not just a producer, but like you said, you actually went to San Diego Jewish Academy and your history as a Jew is important to you as your identity specifically your grandparents, who I believe are Holocaust survivors. So what, what um, piece of that identity really has kept you through your journey as well? Um, I, I froze a tiny bit. Are you talking about my, you said my grandparents from the Holocaust and how has that affected me in my journey? Exactly, exactly. Okay, 
Absolutely. Um, yes, both of my grandparents on my dad's side were from Poland and they were in the Holocaust. And I just remember them sharing their stories and, you know, when we were really young and it just totally resonated with us. And, you know, gymnastics is tough. It's a tough sport. Any sport, anything you apply your heart and soul and time and energy to is not easy. But, you know, being able to see how my grandparents persevered and fought for their lives and got through that, it's like, well, you know, I'm just doing sports. <laughs> I this too. And um, I always had that in the back. You just froze for one second. We're going to get you back. Again, this is Ariana Berlin, UCLA always, champion. Uh, oh, there we go. You're back. So just uh, say that again. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. So just, um, you know, I don't know if I consciously knew that, you know, that being within me and part of my family and that got me through my gymnastics. But I definitely now having these conversations with you realize that that was probably mm -hmm. part of my drive and my determination. It was so awesome. Also, last year we had a Zoom call with some of our members. And if you remember, we sort of found a long lost relative here, also Sharon Gitman, um, who showed us your bat mitzvah that your grandfather sent her. So this uh, family, is a, it's a small world, but it's only a small world if you put yourself into it. And even smaller world, the the family friend that took that bar mitzvah bat mitzvah photo of me when she held up the invitation said, look, I even have your invitation. She's now... Uh, watching my my child my daughter so it's it's all in the family so wow. Um, wow yeah it's a really small world so let's go to your childhood because you really were known before a producer really as a gymnast um and first of all how did you take to that sport as opposed to soccer basketball etc um what was the beginning origins of your love of gymnastics i think i just had so much energy and my parents were like what the <laughs> heck are we gonna do with this kid um, to tire her out. And I just loved flipping around. I was a daredevil. I had no fear. And I think that's the sport that you kind of do when you don't have any fear. And I immediately just loved it. And, you know, I was always the driving force to keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, um, you hear of children and their parents are more of the driving force. And my parents always said, look, if you don't want to do it anymore, we don't need to invest our time, energy and money, you know, for you. And I was like, nope, this is me. I want this. And I knew from a very young age, I had role models like Dominique Mochianu and, you know, Kim Zemeskel, Dominique Dawes. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be the best. And so from a very young age, I mean, I think I did soccer once. I think I scored a goal for the opposite team. So we knew that wasn't <laughs> in the cards. And that was really the only other sport I remember ever really trying as a kid. And um, I, I was a one woman, um, just always loved it. So then what about the top, right? Every Most children sit in this chair right here and I say, what do you want to be when you get older? And they say, either a dancer or an MBA. But you knew that you could do it. How did you know that you had that talent to, in fact, aim towards the Olympics at first? I think, you know, I always excelled um, at a young age. So I was always like a really young competing at high, the higher levels. And I just kind of moved up very quickly. And it got to a point where I was in, fourth grade, I'm living in San Diego. And it was like, okay, we need to make a change because there's no gym really locally that can get you to that next level. And that's where, when my mom started commuting, driving me from San Diego, Orange County, County, five, six days a week to train. Wow. Okay. You know, I'm in fourth grade. I'm getting out at lunchtime every day to pursue something. Everyone's making sacrifices, not only myself, but my family. So th this means something I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to somewhere. And it was always the top for me, which was 
the Olympics and then obviously competing in college. Those were the goals. So we say that we plan and or, or right and 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 God laughs right and you plan for the Olympics, but of course, um, almost tragedy happened. That you were in a terrible car accident and you ended up hospitalized for a month, and with your mother as well. And basically, the doctor says gymnastics is out of the cards. What is that moment like? And then how do you redirect to continue to aim for the maybe different goals? Totally. I mean, I always say life is about like life has a bunch of twists and turns, ups and downs, but it's how you choose to deal with those challenges that really defines you. And I don't think it really hit me. I don't think I really believed it when it was happening. Even when I was in the accident, I'm in the intensive care. I'm in the hospital. I have literally casts on both of my legs, all the way from my thigh to my shins, on my wrist, you know, chest tubes, the whole nine yards. And I'm still like, well, I'm going to be a gymnast again. It didn't even, even cross my mind that this was over. And it wasn't until I went to a follow-up doctor's appointment, maybe a year down the line, where the doctor said, I don't think gymnastics is in the cards for you. But even hearing that, you know, that was a really tough moment because that you're hearing that from a professional in their field. Someone who is a professional in their field is saying, you can't do it. So you would think, I'm going to believe that person. I, I couldn't. I had to just, you know, figure out my own journey, see for myself what I could do, what I couldn't do, what my limitations were. And so... I tried going back to gymnastics. At that point, I had a rod in my in my femur, and I was in wow. so much pain that I just wasn't able to reach my full potential. And at that point, it was like, okay, next. And I always loved dance. And so I, I always had this passion for dance. And so I kind of redirected my passion for something that I could do to my full potential and reach you know, whatever goals I, I had in mind for that. And weirdly enough, you know, came back around. I ended up through dance being the head coach of UCLA gymnastics at SeaWorld dancing hip hop and break dancing in her show, asked her to walk onto the team. She said, sure, gave me an opportunity and ended up being an all American and the national champion at UCLA. So life is crazy. <laughs> so let's take a look at uh, some of that competition. I believe this was UCLA versus Georgia as you are on the balance beam. So that's just uh, one instance of your amazing talent. Um, the rabbis actually practiced that in the hallways here uh, <laughs> during the sermon. Um, like one we'll second. Sorry, us, sorry. You know, was... Sorry. There we go. Um, you're on the balance beam there. And there's been a lot mm -hmm. of talk about the balance beam, especially during this Olympics in Tokyo with Simone Biles. And... Mm -hmm. Did she do the right thing or what was going through her mind? And just off air, we spoke about the mental health part of athletics and also in gymnastics, what it's like to have, I guess it's called the twisties. Um, first of all, take us through that video that we just saw in the amazing performance, right? What is it like to perform on this narrow balance beam? It's not like you have a whole basketball court that you can just throw the ball out of bounds. There is danger involved. So how do you overcome that fear, number one? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't really think it gets easier. There always is that fear, you know, and even at the collegiate level, at the Olympic level, you are falling and you can fall. I mean, it's not like you you do enough reps and you're immune. Um, but it's just training your mind to be extremely focused. You know, you have to train the right way. You have to train consistently, you know, and and build that confidence. So, you know, when you go, get into the competition on the competition floor that you've done all the reps, you've done all the prep, you just have to now perform and show, show the world what you can do. Uh, it's actually really funny that you chose that video because if you look in the back, you'll see a bunch of, a bunch of women wearing the same shirt and mm. they are my breakdancing crew and they oh, are wow. cheering in the background. And at, at, um, at that meet, we all came onto the floor as like the end of meet entertainment. And Oh, one second. I'm going to come back and gonna share that story again. One moment. This is Ariana Berlin. Oh, say, say that again. So you said you came back on the floor after that. Yeah. So after the meet, um, our, my, me and my crew, the ones that were in the back there, we all did like a break dancing hip hop performance to kind of round out the meet. And it was, I literally went to the locker room, threw on my hip hop gear over my leotard, ran back out and and got to do that. So it was just an awesome moment for all of the worlds to collide and for dance which is ultimately what got me to UCLA. So you said you just worked with Simone Biles before the Olympics in terms of uh, promoting her tour. Um, tell us your thoughts about mental health and did she do the right thing? And what can we learn from that experience? Totally. Um, she had no choice. I, I don't think I don't think the, the the person that hasn't been a high level gymnast can't really understand it unless you've gone through it. And I think every single gymnast at her level, my level, um, has dealt with the twisties, which is basically you lose your twisting. You don't know where you are. You you know it, it's a mind body disconnect. Wow. You're running full speed ahead towards you know end of a, a floor exercise mat not knowing what the heck is going to happen if you jump in that air. And that is frightening. And Simone's skill level is like a thousand million times harder than anything that I could possibly even imagine doing. So to catapult your body into the air and try and do what she does, it's, it's just ripe for injury. I mean, there's just no way around it. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of people, mental health is a, like, a lot of people deal with it. You hear Michael Phelps, you know, different, like, athletes mm -hmm. dealing with it but you hear it after the fact you don't see it unraveling unfolding in front of your eyes when you are the top person that everybody at this olympic games is looking to to watch you win gold in every aspect of the olympics and it was i think it just brought a lot of awareness i think it kind of as sad as it was for her and i it was so hard to watch i think it it taught the world in tremendous lesson these are, this is not easy. And not only is it not easy, she had to deal with Larry Nasser. She had a death in the family. She mm -hmm. is, you know, dealing with the world and all eyes on her. It's a lot for a 24 year old kid. So, you know, as, as tough as it was for her Olympic run, it meant so much more to the world to watch that and to have a better understanding for mental health. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, we turn it on and we're ready for entertainment, right? But you guys don't turn it on. You're, you are it. And, you know, when you walk out on that floor, we're not knowing what's happening behind the scenes. I mean, it's true with anybody, right. For their job. If 
you know, you get up on the pulpit or you're a doctor and you go into the office. But like you said, all eyes on, right? It's not like you close the door and they and they do their job as well. And I, I think thankfully, and actually here at Sinai Temple under the leadership of Raguzik, we in fact just opened um, our Sinai Temple Mental Health Center mm. um, during that week that that happened. And it really brought to our attention that wow. every single individual, whether it's you or somebody that you know, is affected by mental health and God willing as a sacred community, we can actually uh, support those endeavors as well. That's fantastic. Uh, so you're a gymnast, you're a producer, you're a break dancer. And thankfully, and just amazingly, um, you have a movie about you, about your story. Um, so here's a quick little uh, intro mm-hmm. from the producer and how he met you. And then we'll talk about what that experience was like as well. An Olympic caliber gymnast who had aspirations of going to the Olympics and then got into this big car accident, which prevented her from pursuing a uh, gymnastics career. She switched gears and made a comeback in hip hop dancing, became a professional hip hop dancer, and then went back and pursued kind of her second dream, which was going to UCLA um, gymnastics and winning an NCAA championship. So when I heard this story, I said, this has to be made into a movie. It's a great story of grit and determination and the, the, the human spirit. I've met a lot of people in my life that live their lives fully on a day-to-day basis. No one lives their life in more living color than Ariana. Over the course of the last two and a half years, I put together the financing, I put together the crew and the cast and everything, and we're about to make this great movie. So what happens when you get that call? You said, you know what, your life story is pretty amazing, but Netflix is going to be all over that. What was that like? So I'm in the industry and I was in the industry as talent, you know, trying to be a dancer in, the, in that world. So I know when things are promised, and you know, I know <laughs> when you're going to audition and you're making it to the end and then you're cut. So, you know, when, when he called me, I was like, yeah, right. Uh-huh. You want to make a movie about my life? Sure. We'll, we'll see if that actually happens. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have my hopes up right away. And I think that was probably a smart thing. But, you know, every six months, year or so, he would call me and he would say, okay, we're moving forward. We're working on the script. And then it was like three years later, he calls me and he's like, okay, we're shooting in October. We're having auditions. It's, it's happening. Do you want to be a part of it? We want to, we can fly you out. You can be in Toronto where we have as much or, or as little input as you want in it. And obviously I was all over it. I, I you know, had my... I, you know, I was able to be a part of the script writing and help wow. make things more accurate and more real. And, you know, I worked really closely with Golia, who is the lead actress who played me and we're still really close friends to this day. And, you know, it was like, you know, I would probably say it like that, not like this. Or I would, you know, you know, it was just really a cool experience. Um, surreal because they're saying Ariana on set, Ariana on set. And it's not me. It's the woman that's playing me. <laughs> I film like what? Um, but it was That's an was, interesting high holiday message, a really high holiday sermon of like, if somebody could play your life, what would that be like, right? Meaning if you can watch your own life, what would that be like? But also what was interesting that I saw for that movie was that you in fact did the stunts because the actors didn't, couldn't, wasn't the gymnast that you were. So how did that work? That you actually played yourself along with the person that was playing you? Totally. I mean, it was what a cool opportunity to be able to be the stunt woman. I, I mean, for, for the actress who's playing me, it was, it was great. But, you know, I was also, gosh, I want to say 26 years old. I know Simone's 24. She makes it look easy. It is like 24 <laughs> at 26 is literally grandma status. Like when you're, 
done with college at age 21, 22, like you're, you're old <laughs> in my opinion. And it took a lot of training to get back into the gym. I mean, I trained three days a week. Um, and it was not easy, but it was so rewarding to be able to do that and to work with Anagolia and to say that I was actually the gymnast of that movie. So it was, it was really cool. It was a really cool opportunity. So we watched it as a family many times and I got a email from a member of Sinai Temple this morning that said they're, I believe they're watching. Uh, and they said that their children have watched that over 30 times. So what is the message oh of gosh. Fallout? What is the message of Fallout to us, to our children, um, and about how to overcome that adversity? Totally. I mean, it's, it's, it's back to what you said. We have a plan and God laughs. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's how you deal with those challenges. You know, I've been told gymnastics is done and I could have sulked and I could have gone into depression and I could have, you know, sat in my room and just been mad at the world. Why me? How did this happen? And my life would have turned out a lot different. And I think it's being able to be flexible and shift and find the next great situation. Um, and I think that's what full out shows. And look, sometimes it'll come around and sometimes you can put yourself out there, ask, you know, to Miss Val that last night at rehearsals at SeaWorld when I hadn't done gymnastics in years and said, Miss mm-hmm. Val, it has been my dream to be a gymnast for you at UCLA. Like, what do I have to do to be a part of your program? And she said, okay, you're in kid. That, wow. that never happened. So it's really just telling you, you know, stay positive, be able to be flexible, you know, and, and don't be afraid to ask and put yourself out there because, you know, people will give you a chance. Yeah. It's funny. You say, don't be afraid to ask. Cause before you said, Oh, how are you getting this person, that person, the podcast? And actually I haven't been afraid to ask. And what's been amazing is when you ask, I think it's important to understand that you can't be afraid of no. Right. Cause if you get a no, then the next time you might get another no, but you also might get a yes, right? And that, I mean, that's how we built sort of this platform. And that's how, uh, you know, same thing for the holidays last year. Like we weren't afraid to ask and we were able to really build something that I think set the bar high, which I know you have done as well. I want to go back to sports for a moment and then conclude with high holidays. And if you are watching here live on Facebook or YouTube and have a question for Ariana, please type it in the chat. We'll see it here on StreamYard and we'll be able to uh, have Ariana ask that question or answer that question as well. Um, for faith in sports, we talked about mental health, but let's put Simone Biles away for a second. Let's put adversity away just in general. And I know you work in the sports world doing documentaries as well. And what have you seen as not necessarily the level of faith, but is there an aspect of faith that exists in the sports world? And what does that look like? Absolutely. I mean, you see teams huddled up, you know, praying before, you know, even for our gymnastics before, before our competitions, we wouldn't pray, but we would all hold hands and we'd do some sort of like ceremonial, you know, gathering um, to get everybody focused and on the same page. And um, yeah, I think faith is definitely a big part. I mean, you see after there's a, there's a, there's a dunk or there's a good competition or there's a good this or that, you know, people are going like this, you know, it, it, definitely plays a big role. Some bigger than others depends how deep your faith is. Um, but the, it's, it's definitely there. And for me, you know, it, it's also a spiritual thing, you know, everything happens for faith in a different way. Like you are doing something that is bigger than yourself sometimes, and yeah. it's your calling. And, you know, when you're up there on the beam and you, you, you know, it, something exudes out of you that's bigger than just I'm 
just here to do a sport. You know, it's bigger than that. You're showing the world that like, this is what I was meant to do here. And I was put on this earth to do what I'm doing and perform this and entertain you all. Yeah. And it's interesting because when we looked at high holidays last year, if you remember those original outlines, we looked at it as a sporting event, right? How would somebody watch this if you would event, but understand that it's bigger, um, bigger than what we were, we were in fact doing. And I couldn't ask you this last year, but how has motherhood affected this whole idea of faith and sports and how you want to now bring uh, your child into this world? Oh my gosh. Every time she does anything that's like athletic, I'm like, she's going to be an Olympian. Like (laughs) I already think she's ahead of the curve. (laughs) I'm our, you know, what Jimmy and I are, you know, we're like, we're not going to put the pressure on her, but you know, we're both athletes. Um, No, I mean, it, so rewarding and i think you know being married to my husband and he's jewish i'm jewish you know i think it's important to us to have a jewish household and you know we'll introduce it to her in the way that we feel most comfortable and you know hopefully that it's meaning you know i i think i told you this before i i grew up in a jewish household obviously i went to high holidays and that was kind of the extent and then i went off to school i didn't really um go to high holidays, I didn't really have a Jewish community, like I was saying, but I went on birthright with my husband. At, he was at my boyfriend then. Um, UCLA our, football player, by the way, just uh, also yes. in the athletic world, go Bruins, <laughs> a kicker. Yes, yes. And we went on birthright together our uh, senior after our senior year in, in college. And I came back, I took a fifth year, and I picked up Hebrew, and I took that as my language. Uh-huh. And I kind of came full circle with it and I found it on my terms and it was important to me and it was important to me to marry someone Jewish. And that, that was just my personal preference. And so, you know, hopefully we can introduce it in in a way where she feels empowered and she, you know, is the driving force, just like in sports, how I was saying, I don't want to be the driving force. I want her to, but I introduce it in a way that's welcome. That's welcoming for her. Actually, I would say as a rabbi, but actually as a parent now of three, um, our children, the parents, both rabbis, um, our children have probably taught us more than anything that we have learned in rabbinical school in terms of how to teach ourselves about our own tradition as well. So we have a couple of questions, one from Stacy Carton, who I believe is in uh, Baltimore. He actually used to cover sports oh, wow. for the Baltimore Jewish Times. Was the physical therapy in, your, in the film accurately depicted? If yes, you were incredible. So the physical, so I actually got back into gymnastics. Wait, she, she got me into dance. So the aspect of like her getting me into dance, no. Um, I, I guess it wasn't depicted like the physical therapy um, moves or like training, I guess. Um, there was a lot of physical, physical therapy that went on, a ton. And when I went to UCLA, I lived in the therapy room. That's all I did. I had a strength in my leg. I had a rod in my femur. I was in constant pain. Um, so in terms of that, yes, but not in, not in terms of like the storyline of how I got into dance. That had to be a little bit fabricated. Um, the SeaWorld concept, it was just too much for a Disney-esque uh, film, but, but it was a lot of therapy. Um, we have a comment from Alexa. I believe it might be from the Kashanis, who's a big fan of yours. Uh, yeah. Thank you for being so inspirational and showing us that oh. anything is possible, which is definitely true. 
Um, we're going to show one clip here of the high holidays. We're going to come full circle because this was at the end of six services, right? We did the evening of Rosh Hashanah, the first two days, Kol Nidre, Yom Kippur. For those of you who did not know, and obviously were not present, there was literally a TV truck outside of Sinai Temple. But what went into those six two-hour services were months and months and hours and hours of preparation. Lots of big chill frozen yogurt as well <laughs> to, to them that got us through. Um, but at the end of the day, we were able to, I believe, bring the feeling of Sinai Temple into the homes of so many around the world. And this was a recap that you guys did at the end of those services. And we'll just chat about that for a moment. And I think that it went better than I could possibly have imagined. Rosh Hashanah was revolutionary. Rosh Hashanah was an unbelievable experience. I was a little skeptical going into recording high holiday services, but now there's really been a wonderful silver lining of being able to collaborate with many colleagues and friends and cantors from all across the country and all across the world. To see our faces, your faces on the screen, singing together, praying together with your prayer book in hand, lighting candles together with your families, it meant that you were together with our family. That's been really special. Some of you said my expectations were that we wouldn't be able to connect and to hear from you and say that even though you had a screen in between you and the spiritual experience, the screen lifted and you were able to engage almost just as much as you would as if you were in person. That was exciting and fulfilling as a rabbi to hear. Wow, we were so much younger back then. <laughs> um, now that you look at that video a year later, and that was at the culmination of the whole thing, what did you get out of it? And what do you actually, based on that, what do you see as the role of, and we didn't talk about this, what would you see as the role of media and the role of production, if you wish, in religion going forward after going through that experience? You know, it's interesting because when we were brought onto this, I think as the cancer I mentioned, he was a little skeptical and <laughs> this is what we do, you know? So we're like, we, we do the biggest sporting events in the world. We got this, this we have covered. But I think the interesting part about it was we needed to make that connection, you know, with yeah. the audience where you don't need to do that. You don't need to make the audience of a football game, a basketball game involved in it. They're just watching it for pure entertainment, but this is an emotional aspect that we needed to grasp. And Figuring out how to do that was so interesting. And being able to pre-record and, and interview and do sing-alongs and really oh, yeah. show on screen, the entire Sinai community really come together and then see it unfold before your eyes is what really captured the essence of a digital you know, high holiday where everyone felt connected. And I can see why, but that, that took a lot. I mean, it's a lot to figure that aspect mm -hmm. out because that is not what we do in sports. So to see that and to hear from you, the outpouring of people just saying how they felt connected, how they thought they would only watch it for a couple minutes and then right. ended up watching the whole thing. And um, per me personally getting emails and phone calls from people that I had worked with just saying how great it was. I mean, it was, it was revolutionary. It was so cool to be a part of that. And knowing that we can connect with people in that mm -hmm. way digitally, I think it would be an incredible um Thing to do um, to a company with the high holidays once we are fully back because then you can 
you know, really reach to people all around the world. And I know, I mean, it's, it's not a cheap thing, but if you can really figure out on a, on a, in some way to make people around the world feel connected to Sinai or connected to, you know, the Jewish religion in some capacity, I mean, it would be incredible. So we learned a lot. Yes, well, so did we, and we are grateful for your talents, uh, both on and off the mat. Um, and we're excited that obviously we got to see you walking around the neighborhood with your little one. And we hope that when you're here soon, uh, perhaps we can actually do this conversation in person and you can really, really meet those faces and families who we are here at Sinai Temple. We are so thrilled to welcome back Rabbi on the Sideline Season 2. Uh, and we're always glad to have Ariana Berlin, really a member of the Sinai Temple family. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. And just thank you so much for your time, for your energy, and all that you do. Have a great day and an so early much. Shana Tova. Thank you. Bye.